Father, we ask you now to take your word, which is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, we know there are things that will challenge and there may be things where we could find offense. But Lord, at the obedience of your word, it's there we find power, we find blessing. It's there, Lord, we find your hand. The bowing of the knee, the opening of the heart, the reformation of the mind, bowing our will and prostrating our spirits before you. We ask you, Lord, come. Speak to our hearts in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Matthew chapter 18. We'll just read the first four verses again. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Part, is it four, Denise? Three, part three. Maybe finish this tonight. We'll see how we get on. And I don't want to preach too long because I do want to appreciate you coming out on this holiday day as well. Matthew 18. The same time came the disciples unto Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called the little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Twice in Our first verse, verse 1, and then the fourth verse, our last verse, it mentions of the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And once in verse 3, it mentions those who enter or do not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, heaven is coming to earth. When Christ returns, heaven is coming to planet earth. There will be a millennium reign of Christ. When he comes, the dead in Christ shall rise first to meet the Lord in the air. Then we which are alive at his coming, that is, shall be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And listen, so shall we ever be with the Lord. But Jesus is coming to reign on earth. Jesus is going to set up his kingdom on the earth. So if we're forever with the Lord, we don't float off into heaven. We come back to rule and reign with him on the earth. I'll do another study on that another night on the earth. And here we're told that the disciples in our reading are wondering who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. In fact, other... um, Other Gospels say that the disciples are actually arguing with themselves. Arguing one with another. Who is going to be the greatest between us? Hasn't changed. Men, as we would say, arguing and jockeying for position between one another. 
I'm going to be the greatest. No, I'm going to be the greatest. In fact, James and John, either they send their mother, or their mother's tired hearing them arguing about it, or their mother is a mother concerned for her own children, wanting the best for them, comes to the master and asks that one may sit on one hand, and one may sit on the other hand, on thrones, judging in his kingdom. The Lord says, can you be baptized with the same baptism that I am baptized with? And she puts her foot right in it, and they say, yes, we can. We know James was executed. And we know also then that John lived at quite an old age. But John, some of the stories were told, some say he was boiled in oil and they couldn't boil him. Some, we know that he was taken by Domitian, the Roman prince, and cast into the Isle of Patmos. And in his imprisonment on the island, John finds it's there where Jesus reveals to him that which he hadn't revealed to him even when he was walking with Christ. The two of them had, James and John, had a terrible time between persecution and the other one was martyrdom for Christ. Here's something I want to put, because I'm conscious, maybe all of us that I can see that I know are saved people tonight, born again people. Here's something I want to put to us as redeemed saints, children of God. How far are you willing to go for Christ? How far are we willing to go for Christ? You know, the Lord said, and we finished around this area, uh, not last week, it was Kingdom Kids, but the week before. And the Lord talks about uh, giving men a pound each. Now, we can't do part one, which showed Christ and his glory as the greatest in the kingdom. And part two, we did talk about a life before God. And we'll want to look a little at it this evening. But notice what it says here. If you let your eye... Uh, or even change this, the, over in the scriptures, please, to Luke's Gospel, chapter 19. And it tells of a noble man who went into a far country. Luke, chapter 19. And the man who goes into the far country is the Lord Jesus speaking of himself. Speaking of his resurrection and ascension to heaven. Matthew, or Luke, chapter 19, please. And let your eye run down, for time's sake, to verse 24. For what he has done, and we finished last week, we'll not go through it again, is he's given three men a penny each. One uh, used it and got ten pennies back. One used and got five. And they were told that they would be rulers over ten cities and ruler over five cities. But the third man with one penny hid it, and gave this nobleman, who is Christ at his return, his penny back. And the Lord said he wasn't too happy. Listen to verse 24 of Luke 19. Let me just get it here a second. I'm past it myself. He said unto them that stood, take from him the pound, and give it to him that hath ten pounds. And they said unto him, Lord, he hath ten pounds. For I say unto you that unto every one which shall be given, and from him that hath not, even that he hath shall be taken away. 
Here the Lord's saying, I'm going to go away. My spirit will come. And all those who are mine will be given, as it were, something to occupy with till I come. In other words, it's an order of service. An order of service for Christ. And at his return, every one of us will stand before the Lord Jesus. I'm talking about Christians now. Every unbeliever will stand at the great white throne judgment. Revelation chapter 20. But every believer will stand at the judgment seat, or the bima is the word, the bima seat of Christ. Go over with me to, and we'll do this little bit of a Bible study, if you will. Look over to to Matthew's Gospel again, chapter 25. Chapter 25. We'll not read all of this again for time's sake. Just want to show you a few things. Let your eye run down. Here's a man, let's go to verse 1 first. Then shall the kingdom of heaven, notice, be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. We know the story of the ten virgins. Five were wise and five were foolish. Five had oil in their vessels and their lamps to keep filling up their lamp to burn bright. And when the bridegroom comes, a call was, go ye out to meet him. And of course, those who were ready, the five wise who had oil in their vessels and their lamps, went out to meet the bridegroom, i.e. the Lord Jesus Christ. The five foolish were outside and they were crying, Lord, open unto us. But he says, I don't know you. Let's write on down now to verse 14. The kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Now notice this. This man going away is Christ again, speaking in the third person of himself, going to heaven to receive a kingdom. Going to show himself before the Father. Going to intercede for all of us as our high priest, and to come back again to rule and reign over all his enemies. And he says he gives us all a pound, or it's just an explanatory thing to, to say he's give us all something to serve with, to occupy with. But here he says he delivered unto them his goods and gave five talents and two talents and one. Notice what it says, to every man according to his several ability and straightway took his journey. The Lord's saying here that He gives you a talent, brother. And he gives you a talent, sister. He gives you spiritual gifts. He gives you abilities in this world we live in. We're all different. But you have a gift. You have a talent. It might be a talent to bring people. It might be a talent to reach people. It might be a talent to make money. It may be a talent to use your hands. It may be to build. It may be to, to be able to, to, to set up IT and all this. It may be worship leading. It may be playing an instrument. It may be dealing with youth. It may be whatever. It may be cleaning the toilets. But God says, I am leaving this with you. Get into a far country. And I'm coming again to see what I have in return. Five talents, two and one. 
Verse 16, then he that had received the five talents went and traded this with the same and made other five talents. Likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid the Lord, his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. In other words, they give an account of what they have done. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained, I have gained beside them five talents more. Notice this. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thy into the joy of thy Lord. Now for time's sake, the man with two talents comes with his two and two is made. And the, the master says, the Lord says, exactly the same. He says, you are a good servant and a faithful servant. Enter thy into the joy of thy Lord. To both of them, he says exactly the same things. He says, you've been faithful over a few things. In other words, what I've given you to do, it's your several ability. What I have implanted in you to use, you have used it to the best of your knowledge and ability. And he says, you've served me well. You're good and you're faithful. Enter thy into the joy of thy Lord. In other words, there's reward. There's place. There's authority. There's position in the kingdom of God. One will rule ten cities. One will rule five cities. One will receive who has five talents extra, two talents extra. But there's a man here which had one. Let's your eye run down to verse 24. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reading where thou hadst not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth, and lo, thou hast that as thine. And his Lord answered and said unto him, Thy wicked and slothful servant, thou knowest that I reap not, I reap where I sowed not, and gathered where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. Notice that. He shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. In other words, when Christ returns and you stand before him, and I walk up an aisle and a hand in the earth, and listen, I tell you time and again, I was saved at an altar call. I'm not, I'm not putting them down. But every one of us who are truly saved and know the Lord, we are saved to serve him. We are saved to occupy till he comes. We're saved to go out there and work for him and him alone. And we will one day, every single one of us, stand before him. The Lord isn't asking us to do more than he's given us. And he's not hard as this man has said. Or last week the other man said, you're an austere man. In other words, you're an angry man and you're a hard man. If anyone knows the master at all, you'll know he's loving and he's gracious and he's compassionate, and he's kind, and he's good. This man did not know his Lord whatsoever. In other words, he wasn't a true servant of God, or he would have served him. 
And the Lord says, for those that serve me in my kingdom, they will receive abundance. Abundance. But those who do not serve me, it will be taken from him. Now you and I in our life and in our living, we're always, as I said, striving for the best material temporal goods that we can get our hands on. For the best education and for the best car and the biggest house and the nice furniture and the nicest clothes. And and there's nothing wrong with wanting to do well. But we do it at the expense of Jesus. Our own time of fellowship and study and worship and church gathering together suffers because of this. And all the way, we're hiding the gift and talent. Notice what the Lord says. Verse 26, His Lord answered and said unto him, Thy wicked and slothful servant thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not and gathered where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers and at my coming as you'd have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall not be taken away, even that which he hath. Notice, and cast ye the unprofitable servant out. Cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be a weeping and a gnashing of teeth. Wow. Now this outer darkness will be explained some other night. Take a night to explain that. Take a night to explain that. Here we'll stand before him. Where does it say in scripture about giving an account unto God? Second Corinthians chapter 5. Second Corinthians chapter 5 please. Let's just lift a verse or two out just for a moment. Verse 10. Let's go to verse 9. Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord we persuade men but we are made manifest unto God and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. Here is the judgment seat of Christ. It is not the great white throne judgment for unbelievers. This is where you and I will stand and give an account unto God for our love for him, our faithfulness to him. First Peter 4, please. First Peter chapter 4. First Peter chapter 4, and let's read from verse 1. For as much then... As Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. That he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the loss of men, but to the will of God. For the time past of our life, many, many suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries. 
wherein you think it strange that you run not with them to the, act, the same access of wrath, speaking evil of you. Notice what Paul, or Peter says here. Peter says, look, and he's speaking here to strangers scattered abroad. And actually he's speaking here to Israel. And he said, look, you ran with the Gentiles. And you got partied with them and you, you got enveloped with their world and you got drunk with them and you done the things that they did and you acted like the unsaved dead. He says, and, uh, and you got cold with it and indifferent with it and you walked away from God with it and then you thought nothing of it. That's what he's saying. Then it became natural. Like it's just natural not to go into God's presence and it's normal not to be serving the Lord. And sure, what is it if my heart's backslidden? God understands it all. And Peter's saying, that's who you were. Notice verse 5. Who shall give an account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. Or he who will judge the living and the dead. Isn't that sobering for a Christian to hear? You know, people would say, why, why would you speak such hard words? Why would you be so harsh to us to tell us these things? Well, I want to let you know that I love you enough to tell you these things. Because in the kingdom age, you and I are going to stand before him. Listen, brother and sisters, Hebrews 10 and verse 25. I know this is more like a Bible study here at the moment. Hebrews 10, please. And verse 25. Listen to this. This is why on a Sunday morning, I ask you and plead with you and everyone else. Praise God you're here and I commend you for it. This is why it's scriptural for us to be in the house of God every time we're gathering together. Not just once, every time. Verse 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love unto good works. Notice this. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. In other words, you know what the Greek reads here? Stop letting down your brothers and your sisters when they gather together to worship. That's what it reads. Stop letting them down. Now that's the scriptures. That's not the pastor. That's not a preacher. That's the scriptures. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. Look, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. What day approaching? The second coming of Christ. Brother, do you hear me? Sister, listen. The second coming of Christ is at hand. Jesus is on his way. He's even at the doors. The second coming of Christ and the Christian church is sleeping. The Christian church, is it any wonder that England has passed the the same-sex marriage bill because of of the, the laziness of the church? Because people don't want to offend, be politically correct. Is it any wonder that our nation are as the drunkards of Ephraim? Is it any wonder that they're in such a a decline and an unmoral state? It's because the church is languishing back and doesn't care. The time has come when men will not hear sound doctrine. Women will not listen to sound words of teaching. In fact, 
They're looking for stories now. Little simple illustrations. That's the word of God. It's the word of God that stands. Listen to what the writer said. That even for the more, you should not forsake yourself when others are drifting off. But exhort one another. So much the more as you see the day approaching. Because when Christ returns, the beam of seat will be set up. And when the beam of seat is set up and he sits on the throne of his glory, you and I will stand before him and give an account of how we have served him. I wish this church of ours was packed tonight to hear this. You see, here's another reason why I would coax at you and other speakers to try and come out, go, I would phone you or text you and visit you and preach at you. Come on, Christ is coming. The church is languishing back and lying on itself. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. Notice, for they watch for your souls. I'll say it again, for they watch for your souls. As they must give an account That they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. (laughs) My goodness. Here, the Hebrew writer, you know what he's saying? Seeming the like of me, I am saying on Sunday, folks, come on, get out, come on. Let's, uh, uh, Let's get busy for God. Let's get inviting. Let's bring people out. Let's start worshiping. Let's press in. Let's pray. Get to the prayer meeting and the Bible study. Come on, let's serve the Lord with gladness. You know why I'm saying it? Because I'm watching out for your soul. Because one day... That day approaching when I'm saying, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves to gather as a manner of some is. What I'm doing is I'm coaxing, persuading men and women with souls. Who are souls. Who will stand before God at his coming and his glorious throne and give an account. Then he will call me. And he'll call me for you. And he'll say to me, Ken Davidson, how did you teach these people? What did you show them, Ken? Did you give them the word of God? Are your garments filled with their blood? And on that day I'd be able to say, Lord, thou knowest all things. And you know that my garments have not the blood of men and women on them, for I have preached your word. But you know what it turns to? That at that day I will have joy to see you, every one of you, and everyone who isn't here tonight, to see everyone 
all those who have loved him and served him, all those who are bought with precious blood, all those who are trusting in him, that I'll have the joy and I'll be able to see you enter the kingdom of God and I'll see you and I'll see the master saying to you, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of thy Lord. And I'll be joyous and I'll be glad for you. Some of you, I feel grief. I'll be grieved. See, I can't save you. Jesus saves. Jesus alone saves. Now we know that. We're speaking to believers here. We're already saved. We're saved by grace through faith and not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works that any man should boast. You're not saved by works. We know that. It's preached regularly from this pulpit. But we're saved to serve him. We're saved to live right for him. We're saved that whenever you go home, you don't take off the mask, brother. And enter your your fridge and pull out the wine bottles and the bottles of beer. You don't do it. You don't slap your wife around and your wife doesn't go out and run around with other men. You don't do it. This is the reality of God's kingdom. I put my hand up at a meeting one time. I had a funny feeling. And yes, I said a wee prayer. Sure, I'm going to heaven. I want to tell you something. I'm going to ask you a question. Are you? Are you? For by their fruits shall you know them, Jesus said. Do you know the gate, the way into the glory? Jesus says, enter ye in at the straight gate. A narrow gate. You know how narrow it is? The breath of Christ. But you know how wide it can be? It can take everyone who comes. Are we? There is a kingdom and a service for the kingdom. Let me say, Ken, are you, are you saying that you're absolutely perfect and you don't fail or fall or sin? No, absolutely not. I am not indeed. I'm living in grace like you. But I'll tell you one thing. I get up. And I go on with God and I strive to do what's right for his kingdom and serve him with all my heart. And I make mistakes, but thank God for his grace. I wanted to bring that out because I'll stand before God. And who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Well, it goes without saying, Jesus is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. His servants shall serve him. We will rule and reign with him. In other words, he allows us and affords us in his grace a place in the kingdom of God. And there's going to be some people who are going to be sorely, sorely disappointed. How do I say this without trying to offend? You're here in my heart tonight. You're here in my heart. See, the preacher sometimes says, if I feed too much meat, I have a pastor friend in the States and he says to them sometimes, I don't want to throw the whole bale of hay, give you the eat at once. Because people can choke on a bale of hay, you know, or horses could anyhow. 
It's funny what he says, he says, and if that doesn't get set you set on fire, he says, your wood's wet. There's a lot of Christians that are wet wood. Wet wood. There's nothing sets them in fire. They're damp squids. That's the truth. Here's my heart for you. I'm saying this because I love you. You will stand before God. And you'll give an account for every idle word you spoke. For every one you stabbed in the back. For every time you had the pastor around the dinner table. I don't know many people I've fed, you know that, without even cooking. Sometimes you find out because it comes back to you. <laughs> but we will, I will too, will stand before him. Christ will sit on the throne of glory. I'm going to do one more week of this and I'm going to round this up. You know the Lord speaking. You know, you know in a meeting when the God's just speaking. And there's many of us who are saying, I've never heard this sort of stuff before. Because preachers are afraid to, you know why? Because I wouldn't be surprised if I come back and there's even less next week. Preach them out. Talk about preaching them in. Uh, Seeker sensitive gospel brings them in. Seeker friendly, you know. Seeker friendly is, that's all saying kumbaya, my Lord. That's all sitting in a holy huddle. We'll have ten buns afterwards and we'll shake each other by the hand and we'll see you in an hour month. Go and live how you like. Brothers and sisters, it will never be said that this assembly, whether I'm here till the day I die and whether that's long or short, or whether God moves me on, either one of the two, let it never be said that you've never heard the word of God. feel it's almost prophetic in the people's lives tonight. It's prophetic. And people shoot the messenger and people hate the prophet. But I'm saying it in love. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Next week I want to look at it but before we do wrap this up this, this evening, Matthew 25. I was preaching at the bus men's on Wednesday night. I mentioned this wee verse, just it popped out at me as I was reading the, I was reading another scripture and it popped out at me, so I preached on this as well. And it just caught me. Matthew 25 and verse 31. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory. And all the holy angels with him. Then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. Notice he's coming. He's not coming willow the wisp. He's not coming like some magician. To whisk you away and you know nothing about it. He's not coming with a secret rapture. I'll show you it in a minute and then we'll, we'll finish. Notice how he comes in his glory. With all his holy angels with him. And shall sit upon a throne of glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, and the goats on the left. 
Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Notice come. Then it goes into, I was hungry and you give me meat and so on. You can read it when you go home. Let your eye run down. Verse 44. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when sawest we thee and hungered, or a thirst, or a stranger, or sick, naked, or sick, or in prison, and did minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, as much as you did it unto, did it not unto one of the least of these, you did it not unto me. And all these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into everlasting life. Here he separates the sheep and the goat. Read that. I haven't time to read it. Read it. But when you go home. Separation of those who are right with him. Quickly Daniel 7. Daniel 7. Daniel sees a wonderful vision of all these kingdoms. This is Bible prophecy. I'm not going into it. But notice what it says. Let your eye run down. Let your eye run down uh, on to, trying to find the verse now for time's sake. Verse 22. Until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was given unto, given to the saints of the Most High. Who's judgment given to? The saints of the Most High. Here is rulership of the Most High. And the time came that the saints, what? Possessed the kingdom. That the saints possessed the kingdom. You know, if you were to read on, or you were to read that chapter, you'll read of the Lord Jesus as a man coming to the ancient of days and receiving a kingdom. And that is when Christ has ascended into heaven. He now is coming back again. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Verse 13, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, or them which have died. That you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep or died in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain, notice, unto the coming of the Lord, shall not prevent them which are asleep or have died. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with the shout, with the shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. Notice, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. In other words, see those who are saved and are in the little graveyard down here in Donnacloney and in the graveyards in Belfast or wherever you're from. You see those graveyards and those who are saved in Christ the dead are going to be called together and they're going to rise up out of the ground. They're going to be called the DNA and the strands, the dust will come together and Christ will fill the skies with his glory. There'll be a war cry, there'll be a shout, the voice of an archangel and the trumpet of God. This will happen. What's secret about that? Then we which are alive and remain, those of us who are alive at his coming, shall be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. That's what the Bible says. 
He's on his glory. We return with him and he sits on his glory. Stand before the judgment seat of Christ. He gives you place and rulership and authority where you suffer loss. You suffer loss. Of course, when he calls us up to meet him in the air, you can read 1 Corinthians 15 when you go home, he says, <laughs> that we shall be changed in a moment. Folks, you know, every, all these teachers on TV or everywhere you go say, oh, we're going to be caught up and scooped away very quickly in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Now listen, the Bible doesn't say that. The only thing sacred about the coming of Christ is the day and the hour. The Bible doesn't say you're going to be whisked away so quickly that nobody knows. That's the rapture thing. It doesn't tell you that anywhere in Scripture. Yes, we'll be caught up. Yes, we'll return. You know what happens in a moment in the twinkling of an eye? Read 1 Corinthians 15. And it comes to the coming of Christ. It says, and we shall be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye. In other words, when Christ returns, the word there is an atom of time. Like a quicker than a blink of an eye. Bang! You're going to be changed. A new body. Caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Glorified around him in glory. His glory will fill the heavens and the skies will roll back like a scroll. We will rise and meet our loved ones in the air. And oh, we will return and usher Christ back to planet earth. And he'll set up his glorious and his marvelous, wonderful kingdom. And you and I will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And give an account. If that doesn't get you in fire, would you? One more week. I'll tell you why. We're told that John the Baptist, the least in the kingdom of heaven. Notice the gradients here. means the lesser. But I thought we're all the same. The Bible doesn't teach that. The lesser in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist. Wow. A man likened unto Elijah the prophet with the spirit of Elijah on his ministry. A man who called a nation to repentance. A man who was who was filled with the Holy Spirit in his mother's womb, a man who was greater than any man that was born of a woman. That means he's greater than Isaiah and Jeremiah and all the prophets. A man like that, and yet those who are in the kingdom, the least, are greater than him. Tell you next week about that. Tell you next week. God bless you. These have been wonderful. I know many of you have even traveled and rushed to get back.